Good evening. So good to see you tonight. I, uh, somebody just uh, turned in this necklace, or bracelet, excuse me, that was out in the, uh, on the sidewalk. If anybody owns that, just uh, see. Do you own it, Ben? Okay. okay. But anyway, uh, we will have it, uh, I'll have it tonight or in the morning we'll put it in the office. But uh, if you know anybody that's missing a bracelet, let me know. It's good to see you. We're going to gather as we do for worship on Sunday evening, and we're going to stand right now and greet one another in the name of the Lord. Let's do that. Cure the 
tell the story. Let's sing that together.
is on his first leg of his journey uh, over to Southeast Asia. And uh, so he is not here tonight, but we're pleased that Brother John Davis is going to be here tonight preaching for us. And his daughter Tammy is going to come right now and uh, sing for us before Brother John comes to, uh, to preach. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this day and for your goodness and grace. Lord, we thank you for the love that you show us every breath we take. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we worship tonight, be with Tammy as she sings, be with Brother John as he preaches. Lord, just uh, be with Brother Scott as he's uh, begun his journey. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, guard him and protect him, that you would uh, put your angels over him, and that you would uh, help him and the rest of the team as they go and to share the good news. We thank you and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. There you are. So long I have hungered, my soul has desired fresh manna from heaven to be. Yes. 
Tamara Caroline Davis Bush. She is now postmaster at Baxter Post Office in Baxter, Tennessee. She served for a number of years as postmaster at Bloomington Springs Post Office, and some of you may have accidentally met her over the years in some of those things. But that's my baby girl, the one that in my book that I wrote about my life, there's a chapter called Little Bit of Sunshine. And she has always been a little bit of sunshine. She wants to make people smile in our life all the way down through the years. She has had this way of putting a grin or a smile on people's faces, and she works awfully hard. And I understand that the job she had is awfully hard. People come in and upset and disgruntled about the delivery of their mail, and they didn't get this package or that and got sent to the wrong place. <laughs> and so she has to work through this every day. But I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm humbled very much and thankful. Kind of like the thing that I, that I saw of the Indian mounted on his horse with all of his feathers and regalia on him, looking out over the valley, the beautiful mountain valley. And at the bottom of the little cartoon, it said, makes you feel kind of proud and humble. <laughs> Just work with that mixture a minute. It does. Makes you feel kind of proud and humble. She talked about living on yesterday's bread. I don't know a single soul here. I know your names and I know your faces and I enjoy being with you. The ones, you've been a sweet bunch of folks to me, friendly, encouraging and nice, good people. And I've enjoyed it wonderfully through these last few years. But I don't really know deep down inside what's there. And so I can't point a finger at anybody because I'm as guilty as any human being in the world to get up in the morning and just start my day without finding the blessing my soul needs for that day. Now, Brother Scott turned me loose. <laughs> he said, preach anything, anywhere, <laughs> from Exodus 5 to 25. Now, you think about that. So I decided I'm going to do the whole thing. <laughs> no, seriously. One reason I wanted Tammy to come and sing that song is because we're going to talk about manna. We're going to talk about bread from heaven. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 16. Listen, if you, you, you'll hear something about yesterday's bread right here in the Bible. And I don't think you want to eat it. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want to eat bread like this. Listen to these words, starting with verse 2 in Exodus 16. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. No, this is nothing new, and it won't be something that's past. All during the time of Moses helping the people of Israel from out of the bondage in Egypt all the way till the end of his life when he got up on the mountain, Mount Pisgah, and looked off into the promised land, and, but he didn't get to go over. But all during this period of time, the people would murmur against him. Every time something would go wrong, they'd murmur. They would criticize Moses. They would crit. Christ questioning about what was taking place. 
Here they're saying, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Very simple instructions. Go out every day and gather this one. It tells in here the, the amount that they have to gather for each person. And then he says, just go out and get this amount, enough for your family to eat. Don't try to keep anything. Don't try to be, be hoggish and hoard this, this blessing, this manna. Just go out and get that much and that's all. Well, here goes the story. Some of them didn't follow instructions. Now, can you feature that? Listen, I had a lot of good experiences over the years, and I'm thankful for them. I did a little bit of coaching basketball, not because I'm a good basketball coach, because I was teaching in a little three-teacher school up in Van Buren County, out of, up in that area, in a little one-teacher school. And you know why I wound up coaching? I was only man teacher in school. That qualified me right there. And, and I had a little bit of experience with what I'm talking to you about with the children of Israel. Everybody didn't follow instructions. And sometimes when you tell a player you didn't do what you're supposed to do, girls and ladies, don't get mad at me. If you tell one of the girls that, they're going to go squall into the dressing room. If you tell one of the boys that, they'd look at you. And you could tell them just exactly what they should have done right there or what they need to be doing. And they'd mostly be trying to do it. I had to work through <laughs> learning to talk to girls <laughs> and boys differently. And you ever notice we're different? <laughs> we are different in temperament and everything else. But the little girls team that I had at Pineland, the last year I was there, we won the county championship with a little three-teacher school. And I had 6th graders out there and 7th graders and 8th graders on the floor playing schools that, well, Spencer Elementary had 8 teachers and they could field a whole team from the 8th grade. And uh, that's just something to think about. <laughs> it really is. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about me. I want to get into this. Here we go. Some of them didn't follow instructions and they went out and gathered more than enough. Ooh, ooh, be careful, John. Gathered more than enough to do their family, what they were supposed to do. They were going to keep some over till tomorrow. In the morning, Tammy, <laughs> in the morning, they woke up and went out there to check on their manna. It says, and it bred worms and stank. They took the lid off of whatever they had it on. Whew, it stunk. It was bad. And there were worms down in there. Now, that's yesterday's bread. Think about it a minute. Think about it a good long minute. Is that what you'd like to eat? No. I like fresh bread. <laughs> okay. Well, then comes the seventh day, and here they go again. This time they're supposed to go out and gather twice as much, and they go out and gather twice as much as for one day, and it didn't breed worms and stink. It kept. 
God said he's testing them. He's testing them to see whether they obey him or not. The two days kept because it was God's plan. It was his blessing and they were being obedient to him. Okay. Now this is just rich to me. Some somebody, and I don't this doesn't surprise you. We'll call it Monday morning. It was actually Sunday morning. The morning of the Sabbath. It was Saturday morning. <laughs> they went out there to look for some more. But there wasn't any. Wonder? God had told them there wouldn't be any. You gather enough for two days, the day before the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath you've got bread, and it won't bread worms and stink. Now you see how the people just, and not just the people, the leadership. I won't talk to you about the water a minute. They got thirsty for water. Now people under, undersell the work of God so much. In chapter 17, the people thirsted for water, verse 3, and murmured against Moses. Here they go again. <laughs> Wherefore, this is that which thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, <laughs> and our children, and our cattle. Now, I want you to bear that in mind. Remember the cattle. Remember the children. And they said, you've brought us up here to kill all of us, our little children, <laughs> and our cattle. I've got to kind of remind you of something because I can't, won't be able to come back and touch it later. But it's, it's, it's clear that when they came up to the promised land and rebelled and refused to go in for fear, they wouldn't believe the two men, Joshua and Caleb, who had faith and said, we can conquer these people. If God is for us, we can do it. But there were nine other of the spies that says, oh, they're big. They're huge. They've got walled cities, and these men look like giants. And we felt like a bunch of little grasshoppers in their sight. And here go the children of Israel. Oh, no, you brought us up here to kill us, and we're just going to hold our little children. And God said something right there, very important. He said, these little children, the ones that you are afraid are going to die because of, we're out here. These are the people. These are the ones who are going to go in and possess the promised land. You know, just the things that they didn't gather. Well, anyway, you know the story, but I'll read it anyway. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel in my rod, thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders, and he got water. Now, I said a minute ago, something I'd clarify right now, that we undersell. We undersell so many times and so much the size of the miracles that God has wrought. I want you to think about that. What is your vision of this thing taking place? Moses goes out there with the rod, and God says, you know, you smite this rock, and water's going to come out. Now, just kind of close your eyes and pull the string down and let your imagination run wild. What do you look, what do you see? Well, I was guilty. I think a lot of people still are somewhat. You see water come pouring out of this rock. Maybe a stream the size of a two-inch hook pipe. Maybe the size of a three-inch pipe. But that's not what it was. 
there were 600,000 men in that group that was going to be needing this water. Plus their wives. Plus their children. Plus their cattle. You can think about those numbers. Do the math and, and think about it a minute. How much water is it going to take for that many people? Way more than a little stream like this coming out of the rock. The Psalms give us a clue in Psalm 105. It says, And the waters came out of the rock, and it filled the valley. I think Moses had to get out of the way because it was a flood of water came out of that rock. See, God does bigger things than we give him credit for. In our mind, we think little, but he thinks big. He's thinking of the people. And I love this right here. He's thinking of the cattle, too. Now, all their animals. There's something interesting here. In reading the book of Jonah, the last verse tells how many thousands of people that God saved when they repented. And listen to these words. This is how Jonah ends. And much cattle. And much cattle. You mean God was interested in the cows, too? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Does God love cows? He loves the people that need the cows. I think he loves the cows, too. You know, they can't help it. They can't help it if people are wicked and forget about God and just will be disobedient in spite of everything. <laughs> they can't help it at all. Now, here's what I, I've got to tell you about this. I preached down in West Tennessee, down near McKenzie, between Huntington and McKenzie for a church, Fairview Baptist Church, back in 19... You want me to tell you how old I am? Well, I'll tell you that, that uh, Faye and I went there... <laughs> to be pastor and wife in 1962. Now, some of you weren't even born then, probably. But <laughs> in 1962, we went down. We had a little man there. He's already gone home to glory. And it's not going to hurt him when I tell the little incident. Just kind, of, just kind of give you a little bit of spice to go with this. This is real life people. A little man, the name of Homer Turner. I loved Homer Turner. He was just a little short guy, and in spite of all I could do, he reminded me of Elmer Hood. <laughs> and Homer loved his cattle. He was a farmer, and he had his cows. And I mean, he, those cows had it made. They weren't going to suffer from anything. Homer was going to see to it. His wife's name was Lizzie. One day they were working. Homer was up on the hill above the garden, working up there, repairing his fences. Lizzie was down in the garden, working. And Lizzie got bit by a copperhead. So here's what happens. She goes, Homer! <laughs> Homer, come here! Come here! And I can just see the little guy. He was fat and he was short. <laughs> I can see him chuck, 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 chuck down across that field. When he got within calling distance, you know what he said? Is something wrong with one of the cows? <laughs> but God cares about the cattle. He feeds them the water too. Now, I want to go just a little further here. And I'll just pull this in and, and I'll head toward the wagon here in a minute. But I want to get this to you and I want you to get it. There's another time that Moses brought water out of a rock. This time he was angry. He had put up with this old complaining and criticizing and all this stuff. 
And Moses didn't know one of the things that you have to know if you're going to be a pastor over, over a multitude of people like 600,000 men. <laughs> Moses didn't know. He didn't understand that. You know, people are going to criticize you. Why'd you do it that way? Why'd you do this? He was angry with them. They'd murmured till they just about punched his last button, as somebody says today. And they get thirsty for water. Listen to what God tells them. You'll see what I'm talking about. God says, Moses, take that rod <laughs> in the elders with you and go to the rock in Horeb. This is found in the 20th chapter of Numbers. Go to it and speak to the rock. Well, Moses gets there, and he kind of lambasts them. He kind of lets them have it. He says, okay, you rebels, are we going to bring you water out of this rock? Who, Aaron and Moses? Going to bring them water out of the rock? Is that giving God the glory? Is that giving God the credit? Uh, no, us. Aaron and me. We're going to get you water out of this rock. And then he does what he's not supposed to do. God said, speak to the rock. And he made a great mistake here. He took his staff and he smote the rock. He hit the rock with his staff. You know what happened? The water came out. But Moses got the water bill. The water came out. But Moses got the water bill. Because God said, okay, you didn't follow my instructions. You didn't do it like I told you to do it. So you're not going to go over into the promised land when the nation goes. There's going to be another leader leading. And you're not going to get to go. Because you disobeyed me at this rock. I think I need to make a point here and move on. Obedience to God is very important. Don't mess with his plans. Don't disagree with him. Don't follow your own ideas. Don't, we, we're not supposed to live that way. What are we supposed to be? All the way through the Bible. We're the sheep. When the sheep get up in the morning, they have a shepherd to lead them. When we were in Israel, we got to see a small, young, teenage boy with a bright red shirt on, a coat on, leading, I guessed it to be maybe a hundred sheep, a big flock of sheep following. Following. Now listen to me. Those sheep did not have any idea when they woke up this morning, that morning, which path to follow to get to where the green grass was. You see, that land of Israel over there is not like us. They have green grass in certain spots where there's water. They have the still waters in certain spots. Sheep had no idea of how to get there. You see, sheep didn't even think, couldn't even think, you know, of what had just happened. The night before, they had followed the shepherd into the fold. And most of the folds were made like a stone fence around, maybe up against a bluff or a cave. But there was a, a door called a gap, not a post with hinges on it. It was a gap. And the shepherd would lay down in that gap. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, okay, robber. Okay, lion. Okay, bear. Okay, enemy. You come in. 
over my dead body. The sheep had no appreciation for that. They didn't even understand it, did they? Why? Because they're sheep. Now, it may hurt your pride a little bit, intelligence, but we're the sheep. And the Lord is the shepherd. He knows just where He wants us to be, just what He wants us to do, and He's ready to bless us if we will be obedient. We can't twist it to our, to our tune. We can't twist it so we're doing what we want to do. We have to be the sheep and let Him be the shepherd. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Obedience, disobedience. Not, not doing what God tells you to do. He's lifting ourselves up pretty high, isn't it? It's the sheep trying to tell the shepherd what to do. Nowhere in any literature do I read that the shepherd calls a council in the morning. He gets the sheep out and said, Now, boys, where do you think we ought to go today? I can just see one old ram say, I think I know where to go. Shepherd, will you get up here and lead us? No telling what kind of mess they get in. Because the shepherd knows the trail. He knows where the green grass is. He knows where the still waters are. And he's taking care of them. He's the one with the intelligence. Now listen, folks. I don't mean to hurt your pride. But God is the one with the intelligence here. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what somebody else needs somewhere else. I don't know where the great need is or the great opportunity is. But He does. And if He is our shepherd, oh, we love for the comfort to say the Lord is my shepherd. If we do say the Lord is my shepherd, are we willing to follow His instructions and follow His leadership? That's, that, that's critical. That's critical. Well, I think I've got us down to close to the last. What does all of this connect to? Well, I've got a few places marked in my Bible. And by the way, on my page of notes, this is the last thing. So you can relax a little bit because I want you to go with me. In John, the sixth chapter, they come to Jesus questioning him. He says, I am the living bread. He had just fed a multitude. And he says, you didn't come out here because you wanted to know what I was going to say. You came out here because I fed you. I fed you bread. I fed you bread. All right. Just listen to Jesus. I am the bread of life, verse 48. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. He says they're dead. They ate the bread from heaven. Where are they now? They didn't live forever. They died. Now, manna was a wonderful thing. It carried them through the years of their wandering in the wilderness and, and suffering the sentence of punishment from God on their unbelief. It was his provision for them. But it was a temporary fix. Only good for about 40 years. And then it stopped. It stopped. And here's the bad part. That generation died out. And it says they left their bones in the wilderness. They're dead. 
Jesus said, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now he makes a statement here. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man should eat thereof and not die. To eat this bread, you won't die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread, and listen to this, the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we read an account of the Lord's Supper. And I hear Jesus say these words as I read right there. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Here's bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He broke it. And said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus said, My body, this is the bread. My being, my the Savior who I am, this is the bread of life. If they ate of the manna in the wilderness, as wonderful as it was, Oh, and it was wonderful bread. How did I know that? They lived 40 years on the principal part of their, their diet was manna. It must have had within it all the vitamins and all the trace minerals that it takes to make us healthy. It was wonderful bread. It carried them the ways within they died. Jesus says, if you'll eat of this bread that I give to you, which is my life, you won't die. You can live forever. Now, I kind of want to round up the wagons right about here. I want you to think seriously with me just a matter of minutes here. What a beautiful, beautiful picture it is of our salvation. Jesus himself is the bread of life. He said, my body is that living bread. Anybody that will eat of this bread and somebody says, oh, no, that's, that's awful. That makes me sick to think about, you know, being a, a what do you call the guys that eat people? That's not what he's talking about. He says, if you eat of this bread, you'll live forever. Now, then when he does the Lord's Supper, there's other places I could go to, but I'm going to spare you the time. Many others. He says, it says that he broke the bread. And he said to him, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now, from the manna in the Old Testament, in Moses' day, to our salvation in the day we live in right now, it every bit depends on the Lord Jesus who died on the cross, that his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us, and there's a whole other message on the blood. That's where our salvation is. Now, to take a few minutes this evening, just as we close, and think about that. You feel like you might be living on yesterday's bread? How many have had great experiences with God? I'm not asking for a show of hands. 
The Lord has really blessed you in the past. There have been days when you walked in the sunlight of God's love and, and blessing and you knew it. But those days are gone. What do you have left? God intended for His children to walk in His blessing all the days of their life. Which means He wants us to have fresh manna, fresh bread from His presence and His blessing in our life. And I want to say this to you. You say, yes, but I've got this. And yes, but this has happened to me. Yes, but somebody did said Somebody said such and such. Somebody did such and such. And his burdens is breaking my heart. Yes, 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 yes. Burdens may come heavy. Burdens may break your heart. But you can turn to the Lord. You can ask Him. Just simply ask Him for a fresh helping of bread from his heart, from his table. Lord, I want this blessing today. I want it now. I'm going to say this to you, and then I'm going to be done. I'm fully convinced. I am totally convinced that God's plan for his children, you're saved, you're his child, that God's plan for his children is that all the days of their life they might walk in the sunlight of His presence and of His love in their life. And if you've moved forward past that, it doesn't mean you can't recover what you've lost. How far is the Lord from us? He's the one that gives us blessing. He's the one that gives us the bread, which is really Himself. Where are you going to find it? Paul gave the clue in the book of Romans chapter 10. You don't have to go up to heaven to bring them back down. You don't have to go down to the grave to bring them up from the dead. What does it say? The word is near you. Now listen to me. I'm talking to some folks that are dear children of God. Now I may be talking to a brother or a sister who's living on yesterday's bread. And it won't satisfy you. It can't. Because only the Lord satisfies you. But what does it say? The Word is not down there. It's not up here. And it's not over yonder across the sea and the islands. The Word is near you. The Word is near. The Word says that God is near you. He's right where you are. He's right there. As near as your heart, as your tongue, and as you personally. Folks, closing moments, God is not far from us right now. And His blessing is just as close as He Himself is. Because He is the blessing. And if you've run off and left it, or if you have stumbled and got caught in grief or problems or whatever it is, could be many things. If you've run past this blessing, it's not near recovered. It's not something that can't be recovered. It can be recovered now, right now, right now, right now. I'm going to pray as you pray. Would you join me? Father, I want to ask you a rich blessing on your holy word as it's gone out. I want you to bless each heart that's here tonight. Each one of you, dear children. May we find the joy every day that we live of you being the shepherd. 
Let's obey you. Let's follow in you, listening to your voice. Most of all, Lord, of us realizing that you're with us, that you're close, and that, Father, that you don't want us to have to live on yesterday's bread. You want us to have your blessing today, right now. And, Father, I pray that there's somebody here and they don't have that blessing now. Before they go to sleep tonight, they'll recover that which they lost. And, Father, it's such a loss. It's such a loss. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've listened well. You're just about to preach a fellow to death. I don't think I'm going to die, though. <laughs> Bless your hearts. You're dismissed. Brother Mike, was there anything I needed to close with?